are listening to the one of us.net podcast network. I think it was a video game thing, but it could just be something that they want us all to know about levels in general. It'd be cool if they had their own video game like Journey used to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the Journey. Oh, we're recording. Journey had a video game was like on Atari or something? No, dude, it was like it was like in the in television? It, no, it was like for no bullshit like in the arcades. And so like you like had to escort them like out of their concerts and stuff, and there were a couple different levels, and eventually you got them to like the spaceship that was on like a bunch of Journey album covers. Oh yeah. Do you win if you like get backstage? Like, I can't. I you know, they're they were winning through. I their didn't rocking. really know who Journey. Was. I was too, <coughs> excuse me, too young to know at the time. I mean, I would. I just didn't really listen to that kind of growing up music. Back then, music. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't really, so I didn't really know who Journey was. But did they have like a one-off? Like, in, so when you were living in the sticks, did they have like a one-off, like kind of similar to Journey, but like a watered-down version of Journey? What, like called Wheels in the Sky? Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, like Wheels. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I guess we're getting. I guess we're recording, so we should probably get into some theme music. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm Shane. Ryan. I'm Kevin. And I'm Mark. This is somebody likes it. I'm not picking up Shane Snot Rag. I said I'll get it in a minute. Okay, well that's that's important. I had I speaking d- of things that are fallen. We lost one. Uh, oh, we lost the music one this last week, and we're not not a not a Kleenex. No, it it was a bigger deal than a Kleenex for sure. Um, and I'm talking, of course, about Chris Cornell, uh, lead singer of Soundgarden, Soundgarden Temple of the Dog, and. Audio slave. I was gonna say maybe his his largest contribution to music, audio slave. Yeah, I I didn't realize they had three records. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, doesn't that that band name, audio slave? It kind of seems like it was computer generated. It does. You know, yeah. so like you just don't really. It's like the magic eight ball of band names. Like yeah, you just, kind of well, they just mashed together like two pretty good bands to make something that was less than the sum of its parts. Did we learn nothing from Damn Yankees? Nothing. Apparently that is not. a that's a good <laughs> question to pose. Um, what exactly would we have learned from Dan Yankees? But Soundgarden was great. Like, Soundgarden was Chris Cornell in general was great. He did some solo shit too. I mean, he was an amazing singer. I like Soundgarden quite a bit. They're of of the bands from the grunge, you know, grunge era, excepting Nirvana, probably. Um, Soundgarden is my favorite. I think they have Nirvana the, would be number one for me, but Soundgarden's a close second. Um, they they wrote some some incredible hooks, and also like I mean his he was just a vital, amazing singer. It's, yeah, and he I started saw, out. I as, saw them. I saw them on the second Lollapalooza tour, and like every bit as amazing live as anything they ever did in the studio. Like just fantastic. Uh, he started out as their drummer. I don't know if he was originally. I didn't know that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he was the original singer or not. But if he was like Man, behind how could the kit, like, not be a singer. That's I the know. most singular voice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was sort of if he was like, um, if if it were like you know one of those things like where he was being like a Phil Collins or um, what like like somebody the Don, original singer dropped out so Don, he just started Don singing. Henley. You know where they sang and sang and, and played, played drums, drums at the same, same time. time. 
Have you guys ever seen any of those like Eagles videos? I've like, seen the um, Hotel California video where with he's Don just hit, like keeping the beat and singing at the same but time. But his his incredible afro, oh, his bro? Bro? yeah, his yeah. Bro's huge. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. Um, yeah, so Chris Cornell. But yeah, man, that's that's tragic. I mean, obviously, um, but apparently, like his meds were kind of off or something. That's and, what his wife said yeah. afterwards. Was she thinks that his that his it was a he took too much of his medication or something. Well, and I, I went back and listened to a bunch of Soundgarden this week, and like, I mean, the clues are kind of all over the songs too. Um, he sings about death a lot. Well, they that all kind of went part and parcel with that sort of movement, movement as it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think well, the thing that struck me in general was just the the breadth of the tributes. Like, um, God, who was it? I was reading today that like. Like Nora Jones played, uh, did a cover of Black Hole Sun this week. I was like, all right. I mean, not that she couldn't, and I'm sure it was really interesting. And there's no law saying that Nora Jones can't be into Soundgarden. Yeah, no, sure. not at all. But it wouldn't have been like if you'd have given me a hat of names, it wouldn't have been the first one I would have guessed that I would have picked out. So Fair anyway, enough. just goes to show, just one anecdote. But um, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to see him go. That was uh, definitely too soon. Too soon. Also, James Bond. Roger Moore, uh, yeah. Roger Moore yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was my original James Bond. He was my Bond. original James Bond, too. <laughs> and, and people yours? are talking about, like, like how... No, it, 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 no it is. I know what you're saying, because it, the, the James Bond that, that you first watched when you were a child... That's your James Bond. And over the over the course of, of your... That's, you know, like everybody... No, there are people who are, like, fiercely Sean Connery. And, and I'm just like, Roger Moore worked just fine for me. Like, yeah, Sean Connery was pretty great, but but yeah, I mean R- Roger Moore was definitely, he was my first and sort of set the template for what James I, Bond I told was. my mom I was going to see a movie called Octopussy and <laughs> she got concerned. I always used to wonder when Thank I was like, God, you never told me that until now. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It uh, wasn't nearly as salacious as she thought. Um, yeah. It, it uh, when I was a kid, there was a, there was one of the actresses in and Octopussy um, was in Playboy, and we—I can't remember who, what her name was. But that's we, closer to what my mother but was. We, thinking, but by we, the way. but we found my dad's Playboy, and we like we stole some pages out of it. I probably was like nine. Man, at the wasn't time. that the funnest thing to do when you're a kid? And find you, find but, somebody's dad's Playboy. Right, but then you hide. In this, I know other kids have, have done this. Like then you hide the pages in the woods, and then you go back oh, and look totally, at them. and you find and them then, underneath a floorboard and they're like abandoned yeah. barn or something. But, but then like over like over time, like. Bugs start to eat holes in the paper, and it just slowly disappears. You don't even really know what you're looking at. Anyway, okay. This is like an episode of Stranger Things without the other side. Um, kind of. Kind of. Anyway, um, yeah, so, uh, oh, there was a, a really interesting story about a guy who ran into, he saw Roger Moore in an airport when he was a kid. Um, this popped up on Twitter today, and uh, did you hear about that? Mark's nodding. Anyway, um, I won't, I'll butcher this a little bit because I don't remember one of the characters they references, but basically he sees Roger Moore and he's with his dad and he's like 10 or 11 and he's like, that's, that's James Bond. And so he goes over there and, and, he, and his, his dad or his, I guess maybe it was his granddad says who he was with. He says, um, he says you're famous. Can you sign something? And so he signs, he's like, sure. And so he signs the back of their boarding pass or whatever, and they, um, and then uh, they walk off, and the guy, the kid, looks at the back of the boarding pass, and it says Roger Moore on it. And so he's like, well, that's not, this is, 
this is that's not who I thought it was. Like the guy signed the wrong name. And so anyway, so then his grandfather goes back over there and he says, well, he says that you signed the wrong name and that you're you're not Roger Moore, you're James Bond. And so Roger nice. Moore leans down into the kid and he's like, well, yeah, of course I am. But I can't sign Bond. that name because then whatever the bad guy is, we'll know. Um, here we go. Uh, Blofeld might find out I was here. So, yeah. Anyway, this story has been kind of making the rounds today. It looks like it popped up in the independent and Mark folded up. But um, but it was like and then and years later, he ran into him again as an adult and then relayed this story. And Roger Moore acted like he didn't remember and probably didn't remember. And then as he was walking out, he was like, well, yeah, of course, of course I remembered, but, uh, I didn't say anything in there because of those cameramen, any of them could have been working for Blofeld. So it was always like this kind of little winking and I'm sure he did that like a thousand times. Right. Like, but, um, it's so weird to be like locked into a character like that to where it makes your daily life like have to interact with yeah. that character. I don't know. Fame is a weird thing. It is a weird thing. So we should probably talk about other things from uh, from Europe. Uh, yeah, banned. Yeah, from notably this like week. Weirdly from Europe because they don't sound like they're from Europe. But no, they don't. We'll get into that. Yeah, sound like yeah. They don't. Um, but yeah, this week was it was my uh, selection, and I chose uh, the Thin Lizzy record Jailbreak, which is a. Uh, I frankly, it's funny to me because it's like I it feels it's this. It sits in this weird pocket. I don't. I feel like there are tracks off this this album that I know very well that are almost the three ubiquitous. big singles. And yes. three big classic rock staples. Classic well, actually, rock one of them staple. actually wasn't released as a single originally. The Cowboy song. Cowboy song was not released. I mean, as but a I know that one just as well as I know the other I ones from classic rock. Yeah. Radio. Yeah, but um, and there's just they're just little like weird conundrums about this band. But my favorite story about this band is that the weekend that Michael Jackson died, uh, Allison and I were in Houston, and we had we'd gone down there to take in a ball game, and we had an extra night where we were just running around, hit it, bar hopping downtown or whatever, and it was literally. Back to back. I mean, like pretty much if you were out in any bar anywhere around that time and they had a jukebox, it was back to back to back. Michael Jackson songs like pretty much all night long. And uh, and so it would be, you know, bad and Billy Jean and you name all of them and it would go it'd go five or ten deep. And when I'd had enough. I would go up to the jukebox and I would put in Thin Lizzy, and that was my, that was that my was your, Michael your Jackson. To, like your, yeah, so you you, what, you, you what? just dun 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 dun, and then it was dun dun dun, and then the whole the whole room would go sad except for my table. So <laughs> why Thin Lizzy of all bands? Cause, cause I just thought it was like the antithesis. Completely ramble, of, yeah, like rambling. the antidote to like uh, Michael Jackson overload. Yeah, it was the it was the uh, the calamine lotion to the bug bite that, of Michael Jackson. Songs. That reminds me of the John Mulaney story where they put all the quarters in and they just put. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, what, they, what was what, what, like, complete the the bit. The what's new pussy cat? It was what's new pussy cat, and then yeah. he played it like he played it like uh, like seven or eleven times in a row. Uh, it was seven times. Seven in a row. times in a row, and then, and then he, and then he put in. Um, it's not unusual. T- yeah, it's not unusual. Yeah. And there was this one guy that was in the restaurant, just getting madder and madder and madder every time. And then finally, you could see him like it's not unusual. Came on and he relaxed. And as soon as it's over, what's new? Pussy comes back on. So he like goes <laughs> over and unplugs again. the jukebox. Nice. 
Yeah, it was that. That is a that's an amazing, amazing bit uh, from John Mulaney. So if you ever get it, if you haven't heard it, uh, go look it up on that's YouTube. Much better or, than than I do. Well, yeah, it's his bit. He should. Yes, that's true. Um, anyway, yeah. So so um, jailbreak. Yeah, so we're talking about Tonight jailbreak. Is going to be one. Which, by the way, if if you're actually going to bust out of jail, you probably shouldn't write a song. Uh, yeah, well, announcing the fact that tonight there will be a jailbreak. But here's the thing: if you if you listen lyrically, if you listen to the song carefully, it's a PSA. Tonight there's going to be trouble, so just steer just, clear. Yeah, like, lock yeah, your doors. Lock your doors. Yeah, you just don't. You don't want to be in around. Town. Yeah, somewhere. I mean, so, yeah, we're not I entirely mean, sure I don't know yet how many jails there were in that particular town, but somewhere. Well, yeah. So the trouble could so be. Don't anywhere. you be around? Yeah. So, so anyway, yeah, it's just a, it's really just a helpful reminder. If you live in the town, there's going to be trouble tonight in the town. And somewhere. You, you, somewhere. And you want to steer clear of that. Man, there's some rote fucking lyrics in this record. Um, yeah, except then you get to the very last song and it's all about like, you know, like the Irish warriors came down from the mountain. That's not what the song sounds like, but it's like Irish mythology. Or like, it sounds like fucking well, like Lord of the Rings. It started as like more traditional Irish uh, except for their lead singer is half what is Guyanese or, or some shit like uh, French Guyana he's like uh, literally black Irish yes like the actual black Irish <laughs> like he doesn't have just dark hair or that you know whatever uh, potato potato <laughs> but man if you ever wanted to if you ever wondered what it would sound like if uh, Van Morrison fronted like Leonard Skinner or there's a lot of Allman Brothers in this record, man. Allman Brothers. With that, or, that um, dueling like lead guitar. I mean, yeah, the Southern Rock thing, I, I mean, sure, you can kind of lump them all in there. But I think, you know, one of the things that I thought that has has bubbled up about this record since it's in the years since it's, it's, since it's come out that I don't necessarily think is entirely accurate is like it kind of gets um, it gets lumped in as a as a hard rock album, and I guess maybe it is, but it doesn't sound very maybe hard for to me. the time. Right. Yeah, for I the guess. time, it yeah. just sounds like fucking classic rock to me. It's total right. classic. And everybody rock, in this room uh, knows my feelings on classic rock. Um, love, love. Yeah, love, love. Yeah, I, I'm probably the there biggest. There are exactly three songs on this that I'm, I, hey, I'm you know pretty what? favorable about. I was really, I was really impressed. There was great riffs in Running Back and Romeo and the Lonely Girl. Like those songs were the two that kind of sounded different, and they yeah. had like really interesting. I literally riffs. texted a friend of mine when I was just about through Running Back and just said, "This Thin Lizzy record is so freaking boring." <laughs> Oh, I didn't and say I, 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 think I didn't it, it say actually, I loved it. I said that those were the two songs that kind of broke the the well the template. Just one so setting a little bit of the, setting the stage for this album. They had put two two records out back to back before this one that that apparently didn't sell particularly well. And the label that they were on pretty much said this. Yeah, this they're is about your, to bounce them. They're about to bounce them. Oh, wait, and can I just point this out real quick? Like for some unknown reason, off to the left hand side. It doesn't have a picture of the Thin Lizzy record. It has a picture of Country Legends, Sons of the Pioneers, and there's a bunch of old. That's Ed oh, Space. Mark was yeah, listening to it before. I just, I just didn't. I you didn't, didn't understand the because there is there is a cowboy song in this record, and I thought maybe. Well, no, there's help. a lot of like uh, American South imagery. Well, uh, in this band, and they're from fucking well. Like well, Dublin and what yeah, Belfast. Yeah, but that doesn't really matter. You see that a lot, and and I mean, you know, like even in the in the Beatles and stuff. It's just there's... incongruous. So okay, so let's let's make it more. Wait, congruous. wait, it's an, so it's in, 
you're saying that because I mean America is like the dominant media mart or media producer in the world and has been for a long time. Well, I get it. That no, they were definitely playing to try to capture no, that. It's market. because they were absorbing all that stuff. Also, like so, they're watching all that TV. There, Kevin has a point. I think that some. I think certainly think that some of that is no doubt true. Like they were aware of the size of the American market, but I think that there are other things at play. One of them is they're about to get punted from their label, and in order to um, tighten this record up they brought in a producer that they had worked with a lot in studio and i guess knew the work and then also um uh line it didn't let anybody else write their own stuff phil line it yeah phil line it the the so, singer bass player yeah really the the front man for um for thin lizzie and so yeah he uh there are no tracks. He writes some of these tracks solo, but there are also he also collaborates with the band. And so the the other guys were um, were saying that I guess typically they got a chance to freelance a little bit more. You know, probably a lot like a lot of the rock albums of the day, where the lead guitar sort of goes a little haywire, and there's there's less of that. Um, but a lot of that sort of twin guitar uh, tracking that that became sort of their signature. Well, and that's they're kind of known for like the the twin guitar attack, like two leads rather than just right. a lead and rhythm. It sounds like the Allman Brothers to me, but I mean that was going on at the same time. Hey, should we listen to a song? Yeah, but before, sure. Yeah, let's do that. Let's um, let's go with the title track first. happened it was well there was karaoke there was a country bar there was like a dance club and something else and then right in, in the like main room i mean it was a place place that probably accommodated like at least a thousand people but it right. was like five different bars in one so i'm hanging out there on a wednesday once and there's probably like a hundred people watching whatever loud like southern rock band is playing and i i didn't know what was going on they didn't charge me cover to get in i was just there after work and I asked the bartender, like, hey, who's this band? He goes, Molly Hatchet. It was like a <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> it's like, it's like the Molly Hatchet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that Molly Hatchet. And they were, like, in their 50s. That's, um, that's sort of like when we lived at an apartment complex that Nathan and I lived in. Like, our second apartment complex when we moved here, there was, like, a hard rock club right in front of our apartment. It's called Sneakers. And... um I remember like, that place. Yeah, and then one day, uh, Quiet Riot played, and so we like we had like lots of guffaws. This is like way after their high point, point. Um, and like I was gone, and Nathan said that like 
He's like, yeah, <laughs> like they must they must look back on days fondly when they used to like get out of limousines and be in clubs because I like I was walking to get the mail and I saw them like exiting the club and like an old Honda drove up and like all four of them got in a Honda like sh- like three of them sharing the back seat like rock and roll clowns yeah was that when uh, Kevin DeBro was still alive I this is in like nineteen ninety three he was dead they just wheeled him in there like some sort of weekend at Bernie's situation uh, my point is though like I, like this record. Uh, just brought me back to like Molly Hatchet and Leonard Skinner and stuff, but like kind of Irish. Uh, you know, I will say this about um, okay. So we just listened to Jailbreak, right? Like, I don't have any use for that kind of song, but it's not a bad song. It's not a terrible song. No, but it's not. It's not my thing. I don't. Well, in and he's got a kind of he's got a cool voice. I think he's that's what he sets does. him apart. I think the production on this record doesn't do him any favors. Uh, no, I agree with that. You know what his voice reminds me of? What? Brett Daniel. Oh, that's interesting. Are you serious? I did yeah. not see that at I all. I did not see that. I was I th- kind of thought he sounded like a, a less soulful I, Jimi Hendrix. I will say that I didn't know he was black for years and years. Well, um, there, and there's, you listen to the music. Um, again, didn't notice he was black. Like, uh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. That's why. I didn't know he was black for years. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I, I do think the production... Um, like really doesn't serve the the songs that well. Um, it's really thin. Yeah, um, it's just really there's flat. There's not a lot of bass in it. Yeah, it's really flat. That's true too. But you know, I mean, I do. I will say this: like even like all three of those hits, right? The you know this one, the boys are back in town, and in in cowboy song or whatever. All the songs that we always that we all know. I mean, like. Again, I have no use for them personally. I fucking hate that shit. But I mean, just look at it objectively, and I think that the songs are pretty well written, the, musically. I agree with you. Um, poorly I, produced. There is one kind of like yacht. You just had to like throw that in there. Just there is there's <laughs> like a one kind of like yacht rock song. It's a uh, fight or fall. Um, I don't remember that one. I think the record gets better. Uh, like it bucks the trend that you put the best songs at the beginning of the record and. Um, like I'm all about the boys are back in town and cowboy song and fight or fall is like the one like kind of yacht rock AM gold song they stuck in there just to see if something would stick. I definitely didn't notice that. I, I listened, I, you know, but then you, but then you close out the record with Emerald, uh, and the warriors came down from the mountain or whatever, how it was. I, I forget the music. Well, the, the, it, the point has been made that, that originally this record was set to have a little bit of a different narrative than the one that, that ended up uh, emerging. Originally, it was kind of, it was written, a lot of it was written as um, sort of Vietnam protest type stuff. Uh, that sounds like it would be more interesting. Well, you know, ultimately, like, you take, like, tracks like um, Boys Are Back in Town. That originally was about people coming, guys coming home from Vietnam and then going on a bender. But he, but uh, Line It changed it. And ultimately decided to make it about a bunch of friends and a night out in the town, which is why Coming now back it's in, in town and getting in bar fights. Well, some of that, yeah, yeah. I mean, God, I, I can only imagine like how when that when this record was like, like really famous, like how many fucking dudes in small towns like getting together to go out, like put in the eight track with that song, like ready to go. I mean, as much as you can do that, I guess, with an A-track and just, like, cruising around, like, in their fucking no, T-tops. It just put me in the head of, like, uh, Mr. Saturday Night Special. Um, like, just that kind of uh, genre. Um, but they're from Ireland. Like, 
Yeah, I, don't know what to tell I you. mean that's been established. They're for, they're definitely still from Ireland. I think, um, you know, I I think I don't I, I don't know. I mean, I, it didn't grate on me the way that it grates on you guys, but um, I think that for you know probably at least a little bit of the reason for that, from my perspective, is that um, that as as uh, omnipresent as the singles off of this record are. It's like, I still don't feel like I hear them that often. Like, they don't grade on, like, you know, even if it's not necessarily my sweet it's spot. It's not as bad. Like, yeah. Uh, it doesn't grade on me. It's just not, you know, well, not I, think, I actually love The Boys Are Back in Town and Cow- Cowboy Song, I think. is Cowboy like Song is the better. Genius is, level. Is the better of, of the three songs. And, the, and the, the, the chorus is really good. Why don't we listen to one of those? Yeah, well, let's, let's, uh, let's uh, this is, te- we're in Texas. Let's uh, get out our lariats and uh, listen to Cowboy Song. a little bit interesting that um, that Linet sings and writes so much about, from a like American Southern perspective as a guy yeah. who's where he's from um, as a band a biracial from, Irishman sings about the American South Western movies were like the biggest thing in the world forever and people watched I mean they were like completely influenced by American I'm not media he's wrong it was just it, why is that weird? Like we, it's just well, interesting. I mean, it's just noteworthy. Like it's uh, a yeah. forensics, whatever. But um, it also strikes me. It also just strikes me funny that, um, and I know it's like a it's a rhyming mechanism, but he uses the word female a lot, and st- like specifically like to reference women, and the way that he enunciates on this uh, song, like the first time that or the, when we were just listening to it now, it sounded like. Instead of saying like a certain female, it's uh, I thought he said um, send an email, and I was like that that can't probably, be right. probably didn't saying, say send that. Send an email in nineteen seventy six. He was really ahead of his time. <laughs> I find it interesting is like ubiquitous as I think the boys are back in town and jailbreak have been in in my life over the years that that this album only went gold and it was by far their highest charting record in the states. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, and it's. Exactly the sweet spot of like what was selling at the time, right? Um, which actually, I, I was thinking about this as I was listening to it this week. Um, it took, this is their sixth record, and like, yeah, they were about to get booted off, but like, this is back in the day when they would let artists like develop, and they sold, uh, they put out a lot of records that didn't do shit, and kind of developed, and then finally had something that you know they could sell, but that doesn't happen these days. Yeah, well, you can fly under the radar, though. Like, it's not 
as important, you know, to be on a major. Excuse me, to be on a major label as much as it was back then. But well, I mean, distribution was a big deal back then. Yeah, um, and you can kind of distri- uh, distribute yourself these days. You guys talked a little bit about. Um, well, I mean, indirectly, we've talked about sequencing with this record. Like, I do think it's interesting. I mean, like the three, the you know, the three singles, or at least the three songs that have kind of risen to the top over time in terms of just being the ones that people know or the ones that get the most airplay or whatever, um, are sort of spread throughout the record. I don't know. You guys may be colored by the fact that you just don't sort of love the work as a whole, but like, do do you, what, what's your take on how it's sequenced? I always think that that kind of like, you know, the mixtape angle of, of the way that these are put together is always interesting to me. Um, yeah, like weirdly, it, it seemed to get stronger, like uh, oh, on, right. on the back end of the record. Um, I don't know, necessarily think that that was on purpose. Um, I mean, the record's called Jailbreak. The first song on it is Jailbreak. Um, it wasn't the first single that was released. Boys Back in Town uh, was the first uh, song that was released as a single. But um, I definitely thought that the, the back half of the record was much stronger than the first. Well, and let's just say, too, also um, with Boys Are Back in Town, that's another situation where it's not as much of a PSA, but there is like just a general... You know, there's a general directive. Hey, uh, spread the word around. Let everybody know that the, you know the boys are here. I thought that'd it, be a shorter song. Would it? The, yeah, spread, the, spread the word around. Spread, the boys are here. The boys are here. Oh, they're the boys. I I, I thought it was that might go go off uh, really well on Fire Island. <laughs> Maybe. All right, Maybe. and on that, should we do intermission? Let's do intermission. Who's got the break? Me do. Okay. I can count on at least, well, I'd say one hand, but maybe two. Um, songs that I remember exactly where I was the first time I heard them. And uh, Jesus Christ Pose by Soundgarden. My friend Robert. Uh, I have a funny story <clears throat> to tell you about Robert. Well, you know me. I'm not a big pot smoker, but I was stoned as hell at his place. Uh, you know, this like luxury dorm uh, on West Campus in Austin, and he pulls up this video for uh, Jesus Christ pose, and I was just like completely blown away. And man, so anyway, let's get into uh, like watching that video and try to put yourself in a you know twenty year old twenty year old totally stoned place, totally stoned guy, a guy who doesn't really smoke weed, um, watching this for the first time, and it was insane.
Dude, I can't get enough of that song. Like, yeah, it's a good song. Regardless of uh, whether somebody has died or, or whatever. But Man, can I just mention one thing about that video? Go and for I it. mean this in not a disparaging way or anything, but that is some early 90s looking. I mean, you could distill that into just that video. Dude, it, it just means transpl- nothing. It means nothing one way or the other. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I mean, it's a cool it video. It just transplanted me back to like that <laughs> moment. Uh, that's what I'm I saying. first like, saw it when I was a baked 20 year old and didn't know shit. And it, it was making me to me it was for the mind 90s. blowing at the time. Sure, but it, it is like, but that is the '90s in that video. Like, and I love the '90s, so you know, there's nothing. Kevin, what'd you think? Oh, I like the '90s a lot too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I was looking. Yeah, actually, for your specific thoughts on the decade. No, you know, I, what I find is it's like it's it's hard for me to separate your your experience and the fact that you were super high. From the from like, so I watched that video, and obviously I'm watching it with um, with you know, modern day eyes, and wow. so so to Shane's point, yeah, totally. Uh, it it looks like a product. It of looks the age like in which it was created. Yeah, um, and it's like you would, that you shit see just got the, burned in my brain being that baked and seeing that for the first time in like 1992. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, and then I, the other thing is like, given the events of the past, whatever week and a half, like it's, it, it it's hard not to, to watch, um, Chris Cornell and just sort of think about like, just like, the way that Soundgarden came together and kind of what their, their footprint was and, um, and yeah, like you know, I just I think it's it's interesting. They're a band that you wouldn't necessarily would would have affected as many people as they did, but it seems like there's a lot of they that conversation. They had a very singular too. sound. And right place, to, right time, too. Sure. Right place, right time, and a singular sound, and that they were able to like extract uh, the use of tension better than virtually any band that I've well, ever heard. Well, everybody that was in that band was their, they were fucking virtuosic as a musician. I mean, Matt Cameron, that, those fucking well, they're drums. they're fantastic, like, but it, it sounds like they're like about to explode well a lot to your yeah like there's a lot of that i think with um with bands that use tension like there's a lot of that that plays campy and with soundgarden it didn't ever play campy like they didn't necessarily sound like that a sense of humor either oh Uh, no like like, like, there was a great spin article that uh, i think it was ann manic magnuson uh wrote she's been a band called Bongwater. uh great band name yeah yeah it was no it was a good band name but uh she just wrote in the article that she was just kind of pissed off uh, while interviewing them and that the drummer and bass player are really nice and she wishes uh, she could just do the rest of the interview with them. Well, I thought it was funny. Okay, here's 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 one thing. I wanted to bring that up. Okay, so you have – by the way, this is the last era of bands for me where I could name every – I know every the names of every member in this band. But if you have like – you know, you have the Kurt uh, – um, yeah, I'm not Kurt. Jesus Christ, I'm just all so on So it's Chris, Cor- Chris Cornell, Cornell, Kim, Kim Dale, Dale uh, Ben Matt Shepard, Cameron, and, and Matt ben Cameron. Shepard, yeah. yeah. And so, but, it, but, but, but Ben Shepard and Matt Cameron always sort of looked like they were just the nice boys that worked in a tech company. And then you had like the rock guys and Kim yeah, Dale and like Chris the, Cornell. Yeah, like the other side. And those are the two that were kind of dicks to her, at least in the interview. And she just like totally brought it up. Um, and I'm not here to disparage the dead. Like, I love Chris Cornell's work. Also, um... You know, I'm not really much of a metal guy. Um, Soundgarden is like where me and metal meet. It's not metal, but it's. I well, mean, I mean, they they were intentionally like were like I, I 
heard an interview with Chris Cornell where he was talking about um, they worried about like kind of the rules of metal versus like you know regular rock or whatever. Like they they were conscious of it. Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, it's right where you know alt rock meets. Metal. I was just thinking about that the other day because I was thinking about how friends of mine in high school they would in a million years never ever ever listen to like. Metallica or Slayer Pantera or anything, or some but shit. but they love would love the shit out of like Ministry, and that's like also well, rock, I'm also yeah, I, yeah that's, that's, it, it walks I'm right up big, to the edge, yeah, right to the where like metal meets everything else. Yeah, I think you you could definitely say that about this song, and especially the they they did get not pop writers necessarily. I'm excluding Black Hole Sun from that, but they did they did get more. Pop, pop writer songy later. Like, more so- songs with, like, m- m- more melody in them well, later. Well, you know, SNL played um, uh, an episode. Like, they do, like, a, a 9 to 10 episode before, like, their actual live episode um, these days. And it, they did it because Chris Cornell was no longer with us. Um, but they did Burden in My Hand. And that's mm-hmm. a pop song. Yeah. It, it is. is a really good pop song. It's fucking great. I hadn't heard that song in a long time, and I heard it. I was like, "Oh god damn, yeah, that's a good." I had some, but great it's not songs. metal at all. No, it gets it, they get poppier as they, but but still like like hard and drop. You know, like but those guys just wrote hooks regardless of whatever like idiom they were trying to write for. They just wrote really good, strong pop hooks, which is cool. I'm down. Yeah. All right. All you right. Want to get back in? R.I.P. Chris Cornell. Yes. A little bit of interesting historical perspective we die, as we dive back into uh, Thin Lizzy. We're talking about their seminal record, Jailbreak. Um, just, a, just a couple of, of quick facts. I feel like, well, of course, um, uh, whatever, Van Morrison was uh, from Belfast, right? Yeah, so, so we, talk, we have talked a little bit tonight about the fact that, uh, that um, Phil Linet, the de facto leader of the band uh, that apparently anyway apparently it was a big deal at the time that like not only were they was the band biracial that yeah they had a well he himself was biracial yes um but but and this I thought was also kind of interesting they had um they also had members from both sides of the Irish border so both Ireland proper and Northern Ireland like in, Belfast and Dublin, I including including Catholic and uh, Protestants during the Troubles, which is so they like bomb each other. Well, I don't know if they bombed each, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seems like some of the records bombed, but a lot of the records bombed. This, this one does, did not. No, this one did not. But anyway, apparently they did really well in Ireland, like with all their records, and so maybe that's why the the record label stuck with them. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, anyway, it says says in their in the Wikipedia entry that um, their wide range of influences included blues, soul music, psychedelic rock, and traditional Irish folk music, but is generally classified as hard rock or sometimes heavy metal. And we talked about my take on that. But anyway, um, yeah, these days the current lineup of Thin Lizzy restrict themselves to playing live and not recording new material as Thin Lizzy new material. Uh, from current members is released under the name Black Star Writers. So if you're just wondering what a bunch of 50-year-old guys that used to be. Uh, older than 50. Probably well, and in this case, like, 
they're not all original members. So, you know, they're three or four guys who play in that act who never really played when the band was recording during their heyday. But anyway, um, yeah, so they still they still play out. Maybe they'll open for Molly Hatchet. I would love. I, I, I would probably pay money to see that. I would go to see that. I wouldn't pay a lot of money to go see it. I'd pay twenty bucks. I don't know about a lot. I'd of pay money. five. I'll pay seven. Twenty bucks seems a little Team. excessive. Well, I already saw Molly Hatchet for free on a Wednesday <laughs> night in Indiana. <laughs> hey, I thought it. Uh, uh, you were reading about. Is it Phil Lynott? Uh, yeah. So he was into punk music, and apparently, whenever John Lydon left the Sex Pistols, he and members of Thin Lizzy, aka Johnny Rotten, yes, aka Johnny Rotten, Steve Cook, are um, oh god damn it, what's the Steve Jones? Steve Jones and Phil Cook, who is the drummer, uh, or Paul Cook, sorry, played in a played in a band. They've all played in a band together, like a. Like a, like a super group, as it were, of the Sex Pistols combined with Thin Lizzy. So I, I found that to be a little interesting. Also, is it is it weird to any of you guys that there's also Bob Geldof pops up in this story, too? Well, like, yeah, that's... That appears everywhere. So apparently... I know, no shit, right? It's like the Forrest Gump of, like, being... Kind of. <laughs> nearly good in things. <laughs> oh, Bob Geldof. <laughs> Do they know it's Christmas after all? Um, but I don't apparently, like yeah, he was, this guy, like Phil Lynott, was friends with like members of the Sex Pistols, the Damned, the Boomtown Rats. Like, was in a played in a band with the Sex Pistols, uh, two of the surviving well, and members. At some point, and I don't remember exactly who it was that was in this band, but was also in a band called Elmer Fudd. That's a damn good band name. That's uh, all. I, that's all I can tell you. I about don't know. That. I just know I'm hunting wabbits. Should be that. That's the title of their first. Elmer Fudd presents I'm Hunting Webbits. Uh, anyhow, uh, you guys want to get into another song? Yeah, we can do one. So, okay, so here's the challenge with this record. Like, there are there are there are three tracks that everybody knows. Um, is there one that's not one that's that's not the remaining one that we haven't played that you guys are? Well, I told you I like to? The, I like the rock, the the yacht rock song. Fight or fall. Fight or fall. All right. Yeah, you it's run the it? AM Gold of this record. All right. You want it? Let's hear what Thin Lizzy's uh, AM Gold take sounds like. Shag carpet, some uh, Southern California sunshine. Absolutely, it could have been down. The, 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 the intro to it reminded me. It could have been like a love theme and like a black exploitation movie from 1976. Yeah, we'll go with that. 
By the way, is it, it it's at least moderately fascinating to me that that they this band didn't tour the US until 1975. So, the year before this, this record came this record, out yeah. was the first came out, and listen to this triple bill. They uh they toured in support of Bob Seger and Bachman Turner Overdrive. Man, that is some like you ain't seen nothing classic yet. rock shit. <laughs> yeah. No shit, right? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, man. Like so you see check out BTO, this. Bob Seeger and Thin Lizzy. Oh, I thought it was interesting that uh that the character was taken from like a musical and the name of the character was Tin Lizzy and they added the H so it would be pronounced in the dialect as Tin Lizzy. Exactly the same as it's spelled. Yeah, but I guess, you know, like in their like local dialect you could Somewhere the H is there, but yeah, it was. You know, I uh, used to hung, hang out with a bunch of like Irish people, was, uh, and they dropped the H. Like they do, like yeah, like you, you guys know the classic story. Like I asked for half and half, you give me two turds and a turd. Yeah, yeah. It's the old the old bar joke that Ryan can't resist. Uh, I can't telling. get over it. No, you can't that get is, over that it. Is super fun all they, the time. They also toured in support of Aerosmith, Rush, and Ario Speedwagon. So it's Again, like, it's like classic <laughs> rock royalty. All that shit sounds about, hey man, you got some classic rock? Turn it up! Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of that. Um, what was that interesting noise? Uh, that was, I am apparently getting a, a text from somebody. Oh, it sounded like, super interesting. like you, you were just turning on your robot. Anyway, you know, I think, I think one of the things that, that is is at least a little bit of a cautionary tale about this record is like they so they they pulled together line it wrote or co-wrote all the songs they brought in a producer that specifically really stripped down the sound of the band for this album and so it wasn't as kind of free-flowing and and exploratory on the guitar side as maybe what they had I done bet previously. they were badass live i bet at, they were fun at this live. point um, yeah this record sounds flat yeah, it's not a good sounding record. By the way, uh, for whatever it's worth, I did catch a. There's a. I guess um, the Foo Fighters covered Jailbreak on a show. I don't know when, but I just caught. I caught the video and I was like, oh, I'm kind of not surprised that they would that cover. Was probably it. better, but it well, it was good. And I'm not a giant good. Foo Fighters I'm not fan either, other than the first record. Yeah, uh, but I I do like. Uh, you know what's his nuts? Uh, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. AKA. All, what's all your nuts? rock stars need to wear name tags. Um. Anyway, but yeah, by the by the time that just got that. It, so yeah, so it's a little bit of a it's a it's a little bit of a cautionary tale because, you know, their backs were against the wall. They put together this record in a way that was different than what they had been doing. It was clearly successful on both sides of the. Uh, Pond, uh, as it were, the Atlantic, yeah, and and then you know, um, at some point, uh, Lynott started getting into heroin, and they uh, yeah, apparently yeah. the last few years of his life were not pretty. No, it doesn't uh, sound like they died were. in nineteen eighty six, at the age of thirty six. Yeah, man, that's nuts. So that means he was twenty six uh, when this came out, and they had already put out five five prior records. Yeah, on a fairly major label. Uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, Don't so do heroin. No, generally. I think it's the, the moral of the story. I think that's the moral to a lot of stories. Yeah, anyway. Um, 
So, so this was, you know, this part of the reason that I chose this album, aside from the, you know, what we talked about earlier, was just that it was, you know, it was kind of they, it was a breakout, and it was like kind of also their peak, and so, you know, it was like they reached the top only to kind of recede into, you know, not necessarily uh, nothingness, but certainly. Like they, they were never as they were never going to be as successful as this again. Well, I think it's you know, it's a kind of a classic case of getting bigger later. I mean, if this album only went gold, those songs, those three singles that we all know that were completely ubiquitous when we were growing up and listening to classic rock stations, you know, it's like it feels like they got bigger as time went on. And, and somehow, Aqua uh, of Barbie Girl fame sold thirty million records. <laughs> that is a Dude, that is some that fucking is crazy. Yeah, shit. but the, but the thing is, is you can't give uh, Jailbreak as a white elephant present. So that is true. Somebody there would just that. get it and go. Thanks. Let's go. I want to. Let's Thanks, go. Kind of. I wish I had my old like <laughs> Trans Am with the T tops. We could cruise around the dam tonight. But yeah. Okay. Well, that was good. That was good. It wasn't bad. Anyway, yeah, we, so that's, that's, that's certainly that's worse things that we've listened to. Uh, there are certainly worse things we've listened to. And I'll, you know, of my own volition, I'll go listen to Cowboy Song again. It's fine. If it comes on, I won't probably change the well, channel. And I'll just even turn it up. If it comes on, like, Bob FM. Just remember, like, there are, there are helpful tips along the way, things that they want you to know. So just, just pay attention. They just follow the rules of the song. Is that like an Easter egg? Like, you have to, like... Figure out the little things in the song, and no, they're just they'll just tell you. Like, well, you know what I don't understand about the Cowboys song, though. If I can say one thing, I get the roll me over part, but but how do you roll someone over and then subsequently turn them around? Like, and why (laughs) spinning your friends? Yeah, that's basically what you're (laughs) doing at that point. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It just sounds like bad sex. Oh, or it could be like a you know know, pinball on the. yeah. Situation out of he, he is a cowboy. All right, let's let's do a current affair, and um, tonight we're gonna. That's you, right? Yeah, it's me. Yes, we're gonna do Fool's Errand by Fleet Foxes. Turned into a dog, and yeah, then she, and then she got in, and then she got into the back seat of a Volvo. Man, uh, yeah, it was like sleep-addled Uma Thurman, which is not actually Uma Thurman, but sleep-addled Uma Thurman. Uh, interpretive dancing on interpretive the interpretive dancing. Through, I enjoyed that about as much as I enjoy slam poetry. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Years ago, I saw a 
traveling Japanese dance troupe called uh, Say Shun- No More Shankai <laughs> Shankai Juku, and they did a lot of really severe movements that looked like they maybe needed to go to the hospital. I think there's a lot of that going on in this video, except on the beach by a lady in a cloak. Hey man, like you know, swing for the fences. Sometimes you're gonna hit a foul ball. <laughs> I think they, I think they may have hit a foul ball. I'm pretty sure that the like the singer from the band or people in the band directed that video. Well, they had like a whole credits page at the end of it, and I'm like, I don't, you know, you might want to just do Alan Smithy uh, on this one. I, I don't know, I mean, man. It's fine. I, the the other thing that struck me is that like I was like, I could totally see how, uh, uh, that. The fella behind Father John Misty would have been in this band, like. Well, he did drum for that band, and yeah, he, yeah, like Father John Misty, aka, AKA uh, Josh Tillman, yes. Josh Tillman, Jay Tillman, yes. Any of his monikers. Yeah, you know what? Uh, that, that band is really hit or miss. When they're hit, they're hit. When they're miss, this one is a swing and a miss. This is a swing and a miss, song wise. Yeah, like if you're gonna do a video, I, well, I wonder if I had heard the song without. The video. Well, I was thinking Maybe the same I'd, thing. I'd Maybe I'd like it more. I think uh, if you're going to do differently, if you're going to do a video that far out. By the way, that's a single. That's that's their single. Oh man, that's a that's a bad sign for the rest of the record. I know, but you know, sometimes you get too close to the song, like you just don't know. But I'm thinking, like, if you're going to do a video that wacky, then it'd be funny. It'd be have better, a better if it have was a better wacky. song. Like, I think they were trying to be serious. No, I know they were trying to be serious. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying wacky, not wacky. Like, haha. I'm just saying from my point of view, like if you're going to do a video that far out there with like interpretive dancing, which is, and they're also like people mounting, like marching through the mountains and stuff doing dancing. Uh, there's and, a little bit of like kind of the handmaid's tale type. Stuff yeah. Going on yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you should have a better song if you're going to do a video something that, that ambitious like have something to back it up yeah i agree you know the first single that they put out pretty getting ready for this record is much better um sounds a lot more it's just it's a better song but it's also like nine minutes long so i wasn't gonna play you that guys that video but who knows after that i, I certainly don't i hadn't heard the song yet i mean it's Arty, but not all art is good. Yeah, no, I was I was underwhelmed by the by the song and confused by the video. <laughs> Put that on a book sleeve. <laughs> That's the blurb. Yeah, that goes on the record. Other than that, it was great. <laughs> all right, well, uh, who's got next week, fellas? Next week, I got next week. All right, this is. Um, this is an artist that I've been wanting to do for a while, and, and it was a toss-up for me because the stuff that – well, whatever. We can talk about that later, but we're going to do um, Lady in Satin by Billie Holiday. We're going to go back to the 50s again. So, I mean, I feel like like she's too important Lady Day. Artist. Lady Day. Tonight. I hear Billie Holiday. Uh, like, I hear she's pretty good. I've heard the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'll be ha- I'll be happy to finally get to listen to her. Save save your best uh, yucks for next week, Ryan. All yuck, right. yuck, yuck. All right. Well, let's get out of here, boys. In the meantime, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like... The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, 
and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel.